Good morning. This is a reading from Sister Ilya Delio, and it's a, a really perfect complement to the beautiful music message that musical message that Barbara uh, just gave us. Life is a commitment to love, to give birth to God in one's own life, and to become midwives of divinity in this evolving cosmos. We are to be whole makers of love in a world of change. Teilhard de Chardin saw that creativity and invention would forge the modern path of evolution, but he also saw that science alone cannot fulfill the cosmic longing for completion. God rises up at the heart of cosmic evolution through the power of love, which science and technology can facilitate, but not surpass. The future of the earth, therefore, lies not in science and technology, but in the spiritual power of world religions and the power of love. We are born out of love, we exist in love, and we are destined for eternal love. It is time to reinvent ourselves in love. Thank you, Phyllis. Beautifully read. So this is the last of our series um, on the golden thread. It's the fifth of, of five. And if you miss the other ones, they're all online, so you can get them, or, or you can hear the podcast, which we'll be sending around. Um, the idea of the golden thread, our path through life that is facilitated, the path through life, the golden thread, it's facilitated by entering through the narrow gate, as Jesus put it, and mediating our way through life. And last week we talked about the balance that we have to strike between our human nature and our divine nature. You know, the temptation to do things always in our own strength, as opposed to letting go into the hands of that ground of all being, that, that old prayer you know, we have done those things that we ought not to have done, and we have not done those things that we ought to have done, and there is no help in us. And that really is, shows that, that balance that we have to strike between our human nature and the divine nature. Otherwise, we rely too heavily on the hope that God will come and save us, or we just rely on our own strength to get things done. And we limit ourselves by not allowing that ground of being that is at the centre of all things to help us. And at the end of last week, I really said, although that we, we have that human nature and divine nature, I said that there is no struggle between the two, as Barbara alluded to in that, that lovely song she sang. There is no struggle between the two, as they all come from the same source. There is one urge in life, you know, one life force. And to think that we're separated from it, 
to think that we're separated from that life force is an illusion created by our minds. That idea of separation is an illusion. We've convinced ourselves in our lives that we are separate, when in fact we are all individual drops in a vast ocean of consciousness. We're not separate. We're individual drops in a vast ocean of consciousness. And today, what I want to talk about is how you stay ahead of the curve, how we stay upright and balanced as we surf the wave of that ocean, which is our lives. How do you you stay on that wave in the ocean that's our lives? Because, you know, quite often, I do too, we all feel swamped. Just to carry on the water analogy, we do tend to feel swamped. Things just come over us and overpower us. And often, you know, another time we feel that the wave has passed us by, that we've missed the wave. It's just gone down. It's, you can see it going towards me. That's the wave I should have been on. You feel that you've missed it. And often the other times we feel the wave crashing down on top of us. You know, we're all at sea in the circumstances of our lives. You know, how do we keep on top of that? I said the other week that peace is the sign that we are following the golden thread. Peace is the sign that we're following the golden thread. However, to have that sense of surfing in our lives as well, that being on top of it, I think we have to expand our horizons a bit. We have to expand our horizons. That reading from Ilya Delio really gives the picture of how we do that, how we expand our horizons. She talks about becoming midwives of divinity in this evolving consciousness, midwives of divinity in this evolving consciousness. And what she means by this is that in living our lives, we are in fact a part of a greater evolution of all consciousness. In living our lives, we're part of a greater evolution. Evolution is not just physical. It's not just scientific. It is, in fact, the development of the potential of love. Evolution is the development of the potential of love, both on an individual basis and on a corporate basis. Our individual development is a part of the overall development And as she said, we are to be whole makers of love in a world of change. She says, God rises up at the heart of cosmic evolution through the power of love, which science and technology can facilitate but not surpass. The future of the earth, therefore, lies not in scientific and technology, but in the spiritual power of world religions and in the power of love. That is where it lies. And we know that in our hearts, really. You know, we are born out of love, we exist in love, and we are destined for eternal love. It is time to reinvent ourselves in love. And that's the greater picture that we have to add into our lives. You know, up till now, in the series, we've spoken of the individual choice to enter through the narrow gate. I will choose to admit to the existence of other, that there is more than my little being. We've spoken about following the golden thread in our lives and finding that peace that's evidence of being on that path and of finding a balance of the human side and the divine side. But this 
new picture that we've added brings that whole thing into three dimensions. We can now, with those different horizons, stand up on that wave and in conjunction with all creation, be part of evolution. By having those greater horizons, it enables us to stand up. You know, Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, speaks of how he feels that we have to make up our bodies, make up in our bodies all that still has to be undergone for the sake of the whole body. This is what he's talking about. He says that we have to make up in our bodies all that has to be undergone for the sake of the whole body. So he's actually saying that what we do in our bodies, in our lives, actually is for the good of of everything. In other words, the way that we live our lives and the way that we face the problems that we have in our own lives makes a contribution to the development of the whole. The way we face our problems makes a contribution to the development of the whole. So to stand up on that wave, we really have to see our lives not just in the context of our own ends, but in a huge new 3D vista that involves everybody else. And that the whole of created history, the whole of created history from the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago until the second coming, which actually when you look at it is about the unfolding of love, and that true meaning of the second coming in my perspective, is when the nature of that love is realized by all consciousness. That is the second coming, when all consciousness realizes the nature of love, where all consciousness becomes aware of and transcended by that love. The second coming is where all consciousness becomes aware of and transcended by that love. That's what Teilhard de Chardin refers to. He calls it the omega point. Love realized by love in God. That, 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 that's what we're going towards. That's the end point, if you, if you wanted to know. And as we play a part in that, you know, we play a part in that by the way we realize our two natures, our human nature and our divine nature. And by living our lives according to that golden thread that's laid down in front of us, we're gradually weaving a tapestry with others who are also following their golden thread, And that tapestry is weaved out of our shared consciousness and will eventually make one garment that will be recognized as the very nature of what we call God. You know, what what is called the second coming. It's that one tapestry when we're all together. And, you know, that may all sound a bit lofty. But it's not because, you know, it's happening right here and, and right now. That is what is happening. You know, we are weaving that tapestry together in our very interactions with each other, in our songs, in the way we live, in the way we mess it up and then come back again. All that is weaving that tapestry. And to consciously weave that tapestry by following the golden thread is to surf that wave which is our life. That is what it means. And then you have to pay the bills. And then you have to make sure your kids go to college. And then you have to, you know... We're all part of that evolution in consciousness. We're all awakened to the potential of that love within us. But we're doing it one moment at a time. And we also have to come down to earth and realize those individual moments as they come along. The paying the bills moment. All that stuff is still part of it. It doesn't go away. 
And the way we do that, the way we do that is by seeing the bigger picture. If you're living with a narrow picture of your life, then any one change will throw us off balance. Anything that, that will happen that impacts on us will, will throw us in a difficult way. If we expand our horizons and include all life around us, then the things that happen in a day-to-day basis are put in a different perspective. A pupil came to the guru who was sitting by a stream. The pupil came to the guru who was sitting by a stream and said, there's so much pain in my life. And the guru took some salt, which was in front of him, and poured it into a glass of water and gave it to the pupil and asked him to drink the water. How does it taste, the guru asked. Awful, said the pupil, it's so salty. Then the guru took some salt and poured it into the stream. And he took the cup again, emptied it, and took water from the stream in the glass. Gave it to the pupil and said, now drink this, how does it taste? Clear and refreshing, said the pupil. Your pain is like the salt contained in a glass. It is unpalatable. Your pain is like the salt. Contained in a glass, it's unpalatable. But in the great scheme of life, it is diluted. It is all about the context. The amount of pain in life remains the same, exactly the same, but the amount of bitterness we taste depends on the container that we put the pain in. So when you are in pain, the only thing you can do is really enlarge your sense of things. So as we approach our lives, we have to do so with that context, that our living our lives is not just for ourselves, but for all life. And when we face a problem, when we face pain, we're not just facing it for ourselves. The lessons learnt are learnt for everyone. And that alone gives us the courage and balance to stand up on that wave and begin to surf, because we realize that we're doing it for everyone. But it actually goes even further than that. It's not just about realizing that we're a part of a greater web of life and that this is all what's holding us up, and it's also, it's also about being able to make the right moves once you've stood up there on the balance. You have to be able to, you know, when you're balancing on that surfboard, you have to be able to move in a way that is going to keep that balance. You know, I always said, last week I said, that, you know, when Gary takes me skiing, you know, you, you have to look up and not look down. You have to look and feel for the signs as to where to put your attention. I love that phrase that Jesus said. He says, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. And to that extent, he's saying that he's looking for the way the wave is going. And then he can stay ahead of the curve. And you do that by seeing the bigger picture, rather than looking just at your own circumstances. This problem may be impacting me on this way or that, but actually it's throwing up a whole set of problems that other people are struggling with as well. And if I act in such a way, I'm going to show them some wisdom. And then 
That's a better result than me just solving my problems. It's actually to demonstrate wisdom in the way that I respond in my life. You know, we're not just struggling in our own little pond, we're connected. And the way we deal with what we have in front of us will affect the way others deal with what's in front of them in the future. You know, the hundredth monkey, the butterfly effect. You know, both coming together to say that our lives have meaning. And that the way we live affects others. And so we enter through the narrow gate, we pick the golden thread, we feel the peace, we have that balance. And then we're being asked to stand up and surf our lives on a wave that is the ocean of shared consciousness. That's what we're being asked to do. And that broader perspective informs us and gives balance in our lives. That idea that God rises up in the heart of cosmic evolution through the power of love... The future of the earth, therefore, lies not in science and technology, but in the power of love. It's time to reinvent ourselves. That's what this is about. And that is the nature of being ahead of the curve. It is knowing that we're not just doing it for ourselves, but we're doing it for part of something greater. And that gives us the perspective we need to stay balanced. And it is relevant to all the things that happen to us. You know, the petty squabbles that we have in our families... You know, when seen in this light, we're clear how to respond. You know, you can focus on the squabble and go all uptight about it, or you just pull back, and it becomes a much bigger picture. And you're able to focus on something that's greater than that and not be overwhelmed by those squabbles. The issues we have at work with our health, our finances, the way we respond, it takes a much greater input when you think in this way. Issues of injustice and oppression have wider meaning. We're all part of something greater than ourselves. But, you know, I can hear you say, what difference am I going to make in the scheme of things? Well, on a micro level, if you look at life from this perspective, it will make it easier to keep your head above water. But on a macro level, you know, you never know what effect you're going to have. You know, we think that here we are, infinitesimal specks of time and space, you know, each individual, we're just tiny. But we fail to remember that both time and space are an illusion. We fail to remember that both time and space are an illusion. Time is an illusion. Time is an illusion because you only exist in the now. You only ever exist in the now. There only ever is the now. And to explain away the experiences of nowness, you know, to explain away all our experiences of nowness, we create the illusion of time. We create ideas of past and future which really never exist. And yes, I know we know that theoretically, but, but we have memories. You know, I'm planning for the future. I'm getting old. So, you know, I can pretty much rely on time as well. I have to rely on time, yes. But here's the question about time. You know, are you passing through time or is time passing through you? And that's an amazing question when you think about it. You know, we feel that we're moving through time and that we're going from birth to death and we're getting older. But what if... Time was passing through you. What if you were the constant, you were the total static, and all this is moving through your consciousness, and you're just witnessing it? 
You know, like a film or a virtual reality machine. It's just something just to jog your mind. Think perhaps it's not me passing through time, but perhaps past is timing through me. And that would mean that at any point you could break into time and shatter the illusion, which is, I think, what happens when people you know, have that experience of being enlightened. You know, they have a moment of transcending everything. They suddenly realize that everything is present to everything else and that each of us has the ability to effectively ha- ha- create massive change if we could but realize it. And, you know, the same is true for space. The same is true for space. Space is an illusion. It's just what we've collectively agreed is out there. But in reality, it's all in here. It's just impulses in our brains from our senses that we've all agreed on. And that transcending of space is all about the observer. It's about me and you realizing that space is relational. And that in reality, that relationality means that we have power to subvert space which is what Einstein was talking it's worth staying with this it is what Einstein was talking about in his theory of relativity when he said that space and time are interwoven into a single continuum known as space-time events that occur at the same time for one observer could occur at different times for others So what I'm really trying to do is to shake up our ideas of both time and space, to say that they are, in fact, what we've created. In other words, we we cannot know what effect our actions have by just looking at them from our own perspective. We may not know what effect they have from other perspectives, but we do know that we have a potential to have an effect. And that's what matters. Our potential, each one of us, is huge. And in standing up on that wave, we include the possibility of manifesting that potential that's within each of us. Now, Ilya says we are born out of love. We exist in love and we are destined for eternal love. It is time to reinvent ourselves in love. We do that by connecting our little thread with the great web of life and by being willing to stand up and surf the wave that we're given. That's it. End of me notes. Now, these are put on the web. If you're interested on our our weekly email, you can download them if I went over bits a bit too quickly. But let's just pray. So we do pray for the unfolding nature of the love that's within us. We pray for the times that we are sharp and difficult and where we don't feel we're fulfilling that potential that we have. And we pray that even those times may be a part of our learning and our ability to move forward. Pray for our world that we may really begin to see the unfolding nature of that love in all things. We pray for that love in our leaders' hearts, in our leaders' minds, in the leaders of the world. Pray for all those who are in strife, in trouble, in war zones, in prisons, in hospitals. Particularly pray for those close to home who we're thinking of. We pray for Patricia Nichols and Patricia Hill, for Will Welsh, for Barbara Orcutt, Tegan Sovereign, Mary-Kate Brewster, Soleil, Lee Bouguet, 
Betty van der Veer, for Gary Daniel, for Sandy St. John, for both Joseph Boyle and Thomas Keating, who are both ill at the moment. We just pray for them up at the monastery. For Patricia Overton having tests, for Bill Archer, for Alice Davis's niece, Lindsay, for Lily Harriman's two-month-old daughter, Blakely, in hospital at the moment. Continue to fam- pray for the family of Elise Strickland and family of Royal Franklin. And we pray for the family of Janae Kirk, whose uh, memorial was here yesterday, whose beautiful flowers we are enjoying today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.